You know, a preacher many, many years ago uh, in the 1500s wrote a song that has been translated into English and has been used for hundreds of years. And I found that truth is timeless. Uh, the top 10 songs on the hit list today are going to fade after about six months. But what is true and what is honoring to God is timeless. And his words ring true right now in all the chaos that is around us. A mighty fortress is our God. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is He, Lord Sabaoth His name, from age to age the same, and He must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. His kingdom is forever. His kingdom is forever. Father, we bow before you tonight and thank you and praise your holy name that you are the King of Kings. We worship you. You are the Lord of Lords. We bow before you. Lord, we have no king but Jesus. And we come before you tonight asking that you would manifest your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, move up and down the aisles and in and throughout the, the pews. And Lord, in, in most importantly, in and through the hearts of the people that are gathered here and listening to this message. 
I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and anoint my preaching with Holy Spirit unction. And I pray that the word of God would go forth in spirit and in power tonight. Bind Satan. Bind him far from this place and far from the minds and hearts of those here. And I pray that if there's anyone in this place who is lost and undone and without Christ and headed to hell, I pray that tonight they would be born again and they would be saved. Lord, we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in the service. Encourage Christians. Help us to see you in all of our trouble. And we'll thank you in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. Children, you can be dismissed and follow Miss Corinne. Downstairs for children's Bible time. As they're dismissed, I'd like to encourage you to go in your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter number 20. Exodus, chapter number 20 in the Word of God. Exodus, chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 in the scripture. We're going to go here and spend the bulk of our time here in Exodus chapter 20. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 3. Exodus chapter 20 and Romans chapter 3. Exodus chapter 20 and Romans chapter 3. Notice what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. I want to preach to you tonight on the subject, Socialism versus the Ten Commandments. Socialism versus the Ten Commandments. And I want us to see from the Bible what God has to say about this very important truth that socialism is not for God, it's not for the Bible, it's fact is in fact anti-God, anti-Christ, and anti-Bible. And I want to take as my text Exodus chapter number 30 and Romans chapter 10. Exodus 20 and Romans chapter 10. Now we're going to go through these Ten Commandments, and as we do, I want you to see that socialism is not a friend to God. Now, I wouldn't preach this message normally in a revival meeting, but I feel burdened this evening to preach on the subject of socialism. It seems like everybody else is. It seems like in our school system, socialism has become in vogue. It seems like those that are teaching critical race theory, which is an abomination and anti-God and anti-Bible, that the Black Lives Matter movement, which is anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-Bible, that the woke mindset, which is anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-Bible, has been creeping into our society. And now it's not just creeping. There's not just a few holes in the dam or in the dike. In fact, there are cracks and the water is pouring in. And you can't, and it, now you, you can no longer just put a finger here and a finger there to hold back the flood, the, the, the leakage. Now it's almost a flood and the dam has almost broken. Uh, never did I ever think ever that the government of the United States would be successful in attacking the church the way they did through the COVID-19 pandemic. Never. When the COVID-19 pandemic came, you may well remember I was here. Uh, I was here just about two weeks or two and a half weeks after it had had broken. And as it broke, I said, this is not right. This is not God-honoring. This is not pleasing to the Lord. And it certainly is not sensible that a tiny little man named Anthony Fauci, who was a CDC director or worked in hand with the CDC, would become the president of the United States. It's not right that we would listen to him and turn to him for every little twist and turn of advice and counsel and let him, by proxy, run the country. And it's certainly not right that we would allow him to do what he did to the churches of this great country. Now, I want to say this and I want to say it emphatically. Uh, I realize that the COVID-19 pandemic was that, that, that it was a disease. That it caused a lot of trouble. I, I was going to start out telling you a, a COVID joke, but I, I figured there's a, a 99.9% chance you might not get it. But, but anyway, uh, um, uh, 
the, the truth of the matter is that many people were hurt and there were certainly people that died. And I'm sorry for those that suffered and for those that died and for those that are left in their wake. But I want to touch on a greater issue tonight and that is the issue of socialism. Just weeks after I said, don't act in fear. Don't act and react to all of this. I pled with preachers around the country to open up their churches. We were in a prayer meeting for three Victory Gospel Crusades tent meetings that we had during the COVID pandemic. Now, we had tent meetings since 2016, and I've told you the amazing victories that God has wrought in those tent meetings. There were three that were held in 2020, long before we ever knew COVID was a thing. And I said, Lord, I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how we're going to do three Victory Gospel Crusades. We only did one a year prior to this. Well, these tent meetings involve a great deal. Uh, they involve a great deal. We have to uh, uh, go into a town. We usually come with a team of three or four evangelists and their families. Uh, we get preachers praying together. And we had preachers praying together in Ohio, in Iowa, and in California. In Ohio, the first meeting started May 9th. May 9th, May 10th, we were all getting on the property May 9th. May 10th, we started. And it went three weeks. Before we had the meeting, we said to the guys we were praying with on on Tuesday, we said, maybe we should just reschedule this. You know, it looks like the whole world is in big trouble. Maybe we should just reschedule it. And uh, then the pastors and the evangelists involved said, no, one of the evangelists was Paul Crow. We said, at least let's do this thing via YouTube or Facebook Live. And uh, then we said, oh, let's just go for it. And so we, we had three meeting places. Two of the three meeting places was going to, were, were going to, were shut down because of, of the COVID restrictions in Ohio, Western Ohio, in farm country, Salina, Lima, places like this. So we said, all right, let's go to the churches. So nine weeks after the pandemic started, literally all five or six cooperating churches, Bible-believing independent Baptist churches, packed into the church house at 120% capacity. And we had week number one, week number two, week number three, and people started getting saved. Men started getting saved. God began to do miracles. People began to come across our path. These were direct answers to prayer. Then we decided to go week number four in Minster, Ohio. And then halfway through the week, we set up the tent in Spencerville, Ohio, so that all five of the cooperating churches could be involved. We had 220 people or more under the tent uh, at the fifth Sunday of the meeting. Then we took a week off and we went two more weeks under the tent. Now, somewhere about the fourth week, COVID season was overlapped by riot season. And riots began to break out all across the country, sparked and stirred and funded by Antifa, which is an anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-American organization. And it should be run out of this country. It should be made illegal to be involved in such a wicked, wicked operation. Now, all of this was taking place. Right in the middle of riot season, there was a little girl, I think it was down in Richmond, who was in a burning building. The firemen showed up to rescue her. The Antifa mob started the fire. When the firemen showed up, they blocked the firemen from getting to the little girl. I don't know if she made it out alive or not. Now, if you're for Antifa, which is what those people were, don't talk to me. I, I don't want anything to do with you. Antifa is anti-God, anti-Bible, and anti-little girl. Now, the BLM movement, the Antifa movement, the socialism movement all work together, funded by George Soros. Right. If George Soros is for it, I'm against it. And I want to say something. Socialism has now crept into our schools where they're teaching false doctrines, lies, bald-faced lies, like intersectionality, like the CRT, critical race theory, where you are supposed to apologize for your ethnic background. And I want to say something, that all of this socialism is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christ, and it's anti the Ten Commandments. Let's go through the Ten Commandments.
I want you to notice what commandment number one says. He begins in this passage and says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He's basically saying, because I am the Lord your God, I am giving these commandments. I am the one that has authority to give these commandments. Notice verse number three. He says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, nothing is to come before God, worshiping God, loving God, serving God. God is not to be one of your priorities. He is to be the priority. He is not to take first place. He is to take a place far above first place. That's why the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that in all things he might have the preeminence. Preeminence means far and away above first place. That is the place God is to have. And if anything comes between us and the Lord, sometimes relationships can come between us and the Lord. Sometimes money can come between us and the Lord. Sometimes religion can come between us and the Lord. Sometimes a government can come between us and the Lord. Sometimes false teaching can come between us and the Lord. And right now, socialism is vying for a seat on the government of the United States. And it has plenty of seats right now. Plenty of seats in Congress, the White House, seats on the Supreme Court. We are in a heap of trouble in America if we let socialism rule. Socialism is anti the Ten Commandments and it breaks the First Commandment because socialism wants to be number one. Socialism wants you to place it before God. Those who teach it and those who authored it, Karl Marx, those who championed it, uh, Vladimir Lenin, Joseph Stalin, they all were vying for a throne that would take the place of God. Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Look at it. Verse number four. He says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Now I find it interesting that the second commandment here is speaking about worshiping idols. You ought to do a study sometime and on, on the matter of idolatry. God speaks about it all throughout the Scripture, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, he calls covetousness the sin of idolatry. He calls stubbornness as the sin of idolatry because it makes a God out of me. He talks about this here in this passage, and he said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. So they were not allowed to make an image and worship it. Uh, by the way, this commandment is removed from the Catholic Ten Commandments. Did you know that? You'll see a ta- uh, Ten Commandments outside a Catholic church. Note, the second commandment is not in there. Why? Because Catholicism is idolatry. They worship the saints They worship the popes, they worship the bishops, they worship the fathers and the cardinals and the men that dress like a mother and call themselves father and don't have any children. They worship all of them. They take this commandment out and they divide the 10th commandment into two. Now that's wicked. But here the Bible tells us in this passage that thou shalt not make into thee any graven image. Everywhere you go when it comes to socialism, whether it's Che Guerrera of, uh, of South America or, or whether it is Vladimir Lenin or Karl Marx or Joseph Stalin, all of them or, 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 or uh, Cuba, Castro of Cuba, they all become a hero. Their pictures are plastered on photos on the wall. People march in the streets supporting their their agenda and their ideology and these men are worshipped they are idols and God says thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or that is in the earth or that is in the water into the earth thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them every communist leader and socialist leader in the world wants to be idolized wants to be worshipped demands your worship threatens you if you don't worship them and that is what this nation is headed to. You can't disagree with a leftist. 
You can't disagree. Somebody said to me recently, a, a, a friend of mine from the east, eastern part of Tennessee, a good and a godly man and a preacher, he said, classical liberalism being taken away in our country is not a good thing, it's a bad thing. He said, because it used to be you would have the classical liberals over here and you would have the conservatives over here and they would pull each other so there was always a center. He said, classical liberalism is gone. Now there's just the left. And the left is pulling the ship top uh, to capsize. Mark this down. Uh, you can't disagree with the left. If you disagree with the left, you are you are immediately you're demonized. You are villainized. You are you are canceled by by whoever. That's what social media is about. Young people, I want you to look at me right now. Look right up at me. If you have social media accounts, I would not recommend it for uh, young, young people. And I would not recommend it ever unsupervised parents. You need to know what your young people are seeing and watching. But if you have social media accounts, consider them worth about 0.00001%. They're worthless. The people on them are not usually speaking the truth. They're trying to present themselves in a, in a beautiful light and they can put their pictures through 50 different filters. Most of it is false and a lie. Do not, young people or adults, think that what you see on social media is real. Most of it's not. That's right. Most of it's not. And whatever you do, don't let somebody weaponize it against you. Make you feel bad. Make you feel worthless. Somebody doesn't like you or agree with you. You make a statement and everybody comes and attacks you. View it as worthless junk mail. It's worthless. Because watch, it's a tool of the left. It's a tool of the left. I said this last night, I think. Best thing I did last year was get off watch, watching news and I got off Twitter. I got off Twitter when they canceled the president of the United States, but they kept the dictator of Iran. That's socialism. And socialism will, will attack you if you don't worship it. You hear me, Bill Gates and all of these people, Mark Zuckerberg and the people that run Twitter and all of this, they want you to worship them and they do so by not letting anyone disagree with them. That's a tool of socialism. All right, so it violates the second commandment. Uh, notice what the Bible says, please, in verse number 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. All right, the third commandment is you can't use God's name in a vain and an empty manner. Socialism is godless. It's anti-God. It always has been. Look at Russia that covers 11 time zones. The old Russia particularly and the Soviet Union and those under Lenin and Stalin... They made it illegal to worship God, to, to use the name of God in a favorable manner. You could use it in a swear word, but you can't use it in a favorable manner. You certainly can't have churches not under, not without the auspices and approval of the state. Look at every nation that has adopted socialism. It has been anti-God, anti-Bible. It's anti-freedom. It's anti-American. And I want to just make it clear tonight and put a stake in the ground and a flag here and say, somebody better stop cowing to socialism and stand up and say, this is anti-everything that we believe. It's anti-the third commandment, which is, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. There are two connotations to taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. One, using it in a joke or a, a swear word or in a vain and empty manner, something that is worthless instead of something that is weighty. Or two, claiming that you know God... And that you follow God, and yet your life is exactly opposite. Now let me just pause and say, Dennis Prager, who is a Jew, and I don't believe he's saved, but he has done a lot of good for uh, conservatism and for the cause of America. He, he, he interprets, now a Jew interprets the third commandment in that way. Now let me tell you how socialism does that. Socialism and communism wants to pretend like they follow God. Not very long after this whole pandemic broke out two years ago, not very long afterwards, you started using this verse, love your neighbor. How many of you remember this? Love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you'll do this. If you don't love your neighbor, you won't. Now watch, this was being voiced by people that kill babies. By the millions. The people that kill babies by the millions 
never have ever, ever been concerned about love your neighbor. What have they been concerned about? They've been concerned about themselves. And so now all of a sudden they're using Bible verses. Wow, are we having revival? (laughs) Is it so that the liberals and the leftists in our country are, are for the Bible? That they're for loving your neighbor? No, they were only using God's name and God's word to their wicked advantage. All right, so they break the third commandment. Notice what our text says, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do no work, nor thou, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. All right, they break the fourth commandment. Honor thy father and mother. Uh, excuse me, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You say, how did they do that? Well, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was Saturday. In the New Testament, it's Sunday. Uh, it, it's, but it really, the Sabbath is a picture of Jesus Christ. This is really important to understand. Okay, because cults will tell you that worshiping God on Sunday is uh, something that the Catholics introduced or Constantine introduced. That's not true. 1 Corinthians 16, the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, says that they took an offering on the first day of the week. And why did they do it on the first day of the week? Because Jesus Christ rose on the first day of the week. And Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Uh, Have you ever wondered why it was a death penalty if they violated the Sabbath in the Old Testament? By the way, it was. If you lifted up a stick or if you did something work on the Sabbath, why was it the death penalty? Because it was a breaking of the picture of Jesus Christ who is our rest. And Jesus Christ came in Mark chapter 11 and said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is our Sabbath. We don't work our way to heaven. We trust in Jesus who did the work so that we could get to heaven. Jesus is our Sabbath. So in the New Testament, we honor the Lord Jesus Christ because he rose on the first day of the week. But there is a principle here of of, of, uh, this matter of resting one day of the week. Socialism doesn't honor that. A socialist country makes you poor. It doesn't make you rich. It makes the wealthy very rich. By the way, the people promoting socialism and acting like they're for the middle class, they're the wealthiest people and and burning all kinds of fuel, violating their own green deals. All right? So I want you to see this. So here come the socialists along, and they want to put something on you that will make you work your finger to the bone. Socialism will not be right, it will be wrong, and it will bring everybody down into poverty. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because it has done that to every country it has infected. It's a violation of the fourth commandment. Look at what the Bible says in our text, verse number 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. All right? The the fifth commandment is broken because you can't honor your parents in a system that dishonors God. You can't honor your parents in a system that dishonors the Bible. Listen to me carefully. God created three institutions. He created first the home. Second, he created government. Third, he created the church. Now, he didn't create all systems of government, but he did create government. And Romans 13 tells us, watch this, what government is for. It is there to protect the people, period, from evildoers. In the book of First and Second Peter, we understand that it is to be a terror to the evil. If you do wrong and you break the law and you get punished for it, nobody's going to come to your aid. But if you do wrong, if you do right and you get punished for it, then you're to be happy and to be filled with joy. Socialism mixes that all up. Watch. These three institutions, the home, government, and the church, when done God's way, watch this, never collide. But when they're not done God's way, they collide. So it makes it impossible to obey the fifth commandment. Look at commandment number six, verse number 13. Verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. This might be the first, maybe the second commandment that is the most violated by socialism. You said, preacher, why? 
There were more people that were killed in the 20th century than at other t- any other time period in history. And do you know the root cause of those deaths? Socialism. Socialism. Freedom doesn't invade other countries and destroy them. Pele mele with no explanation or no, uh, no, no precipitated cause. Socialism does. Socialism comes in. Ask those in Cuba under Castro who were murdered under his regime simply for wanting to exercise freedom. Ask those under Che Guerrera murdered simply wanting to exercise freedom. Ask those ladies and gentlemen under Stalin and Lenin. Do you know, young people, that there were far more Jews killed under Stalin, Joseph Stalin, than under Hitler? Far more Jews. In fact, Joseph Stalin was planning a program to kill more Jews when he was put in the hospital. And there were uh, there was a Jewish rabbi who asked Jews and Christians all over the world to pray against Stalin. And as soon as they began to pray, he was hospitalized. When he died, it was right about the time of the Feast of Purim, and they began to cry in the streets of Russia, Haman is dead. Haman is dead. God Almighty killed Stalin because he lifted his hand and killed and murdered and butchered Jews. You want to be a friend to that? You want to be okay with that? You want to, with your vote, cast a vote for politicians that are all right with that? You want to be okay with a teacher in a public school that teaches that? That's all CRT is. That's all Antifa is. That's all Black Lives Matter is. It's not a promotion of, of, of anti-racism. It's a promotion of racism. It has brought more trouble in our country than at ever any other time period in modern history. And why? Why? Because it is driven by an anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-freedom, anti-Jesus Christ, and anti-Ten Commandment agenda. More people have been killed by socialism than any other idea ever in the history of the world. Look at our seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, all I'm going to say here is the people in leadership, all the people in leadership of communism and all the people who are socialist and all the liberal left in our country, they're immoral. They're immoral. They promote immorality. They live with their own lives immorality. When President Clinton was in the White House, some men who worked in the Secret Service said, President Clinton will make John F. Kennedy look like a Sunday school teacher. And he did. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that President Clinton decreased the morals of our country when he brought this wickedness into the White House. What a tragedy. What a travesty is taking place. Listen to me carefully. What is happening now is an influx of socialism in our country, and it makes a way for immorality to go all on. Do you know the root sin behind abortion? Adultery and fornication. If there were no adultery and fornication, there would be no problem with abortion. Look what our text says. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 16, verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Now remember how I said that socialism might break the sixth commandment uh, more than any other. The other one that is possible is verse number 17, uh, excuse me, verse number, verse number 15, thou shalt not steal. Why? Because it takes property. What you are seeing right now in the Ukraine is a violation of this this commandment, the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. Do you know that Jesus promoted personal property and personal property ownership? Uh, did you know that that's a Judeo-Christian ethic? And our country was built upon the Judeo-Christian ethic? I, I want to say that we should fight this at every twist and turn, not only with our vote, but with our prayers. And not only with our prayers, but with some, some maybe in this room, maybe need to run for local office. I, I want to say that. And get God-fearing people in low-level appointments and low-level offices. Do you know, I was just in California. Do you know what California looks like right now? Much of California right now. It's a beautiful state. I love California. People ask, what's the most beautiful state that you've been in? I say California. You have the ocean on one side, the mountains on the other. It's a beautiful state. It is a fertile state. It is a a God-blessed state. But do you know the pasture that we parked our trailer at for the last two or three weeks uh, in in the month of February? He said, I remember when this was the golden state. 
And he said, I remember when Nancy Pelosi and Barbara Boxer moved out here from Maryland and they, they took low level positions and they, they worked their way to the highest levels of government. And now Nancy Pelosi is the third most powerful person in the United States of America. And her nephew is the governor of California. And California has turned to rot gut. There are homeless communities everywhere. I can show you a picture uh, uh, on my phone of a homeless community that we went to. Why? Because the average person can't even keep up with the concept. They will, they will, they will scorn veterans, but they'll save the spotted salmon. And they'll, they'll completely drain the reservoir to save the spotted salmon and let all the forest burn without managing it properly. What is that? That's an anti-God, tree-hugging, earth-worshipping, anti-Bible, anti-American, anti-Ten Commandment ideology. And watch here, in this, it says, thou shalt not steal. They're stealing from people on a regular basis. Look here, if I want to earn my money, and I want to give you my money because you're in need, that's up to me. You do not have a right to reach your hand in my pocket and take my money to pay someone in need all under the guise or the pretense of loving your neighbor. That is wicked. All right, watch, that's just stealing. It's highway robbery. My son, my oldest son is working at Lowe's. And when he first started working at Lowe's, he started to tell me how much of his check... is going to pay taxes. All that is is highway robbery. That is far more than they were stealing from us in America when we protested with the Boston Tea Party. Look it up. Stealing is a sin. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Look what the Bible says in our text. Verse number 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Socialism promotes lying. Now, what I said yesterday, I wasn't joking. You can tell when a politician or a person in the media is lying when they open their mouth. I wasn't lying. You can tell when their lips are moving that they're lying. That's okay. I don't know if you remember, but I remember when the media room was a buzz during the Clinton administration and they laughed at how much the president was lying to them. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said it this way. We know that they're lying. They know that we know that they're lying. We know that they know that we know that they're lying. And yet they still lie. That's immoral. That's godless. It should be called for what it is. It shouldn't be promoted. It shouldn't be rewarded by voting them in the next time. It is wicked. It is from the pits of hell. John chapter 8 verse 44, Jesus said to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, by the way, religious leaders are another very good liars. And he said, you're of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Amen. What, what is this? Do you know that this whole idea of, of turn your neighbor in that happened during COVID here in America, right. turn your neighbor in if they're not following the party line. Do you know what that is? That's a playbook. That's right out of the playbook of communism. Yeah. It's socialism. I remember a few years ago, in fact, the beginning of 2020, I was in the line. It was before any of this pandemic started. And I was in the line at at, uh, coming back in from Mexico. All we did was go down for a day. You can get an incredible shoe polish. You can get some really good food. And they tell you that they can, you can get some pretty cheap medicine. We didn't go for the medicine, but we did go for the food. And we found out you could get some pretty nice cowboy hats too. Well, anyway, we just went down for the day to say that the boys had been in Mexico. And no, nobody was in line to go into Mexico. There was a long line coming out of Mexico. There was a man drunk behind me who was, who, who was spouting his liberal leftist ideas. So I began to verbalize pro-freedom, pro-American ideas because I wanted my boy to hear it. And, and, and he and I got in a little argument. I know that you might be surprised I would get in an argument with someone. But I said, sir, look across the street. I said, there's the answer to what this is. Nobody's in line to go into socialism. Everybody's in line to come into freedom. Amen. 
Now, that doesn't mean we're better than anybody. That just means there's an ideology behind freedom, and it's not socialism. Socialism brings you into bondage because it is rooted in a lie. And by the way, the people that promote socialism, do you know what they'll do? They'll take a passage over in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, where it says they had all things common. And they'll say, see, the Bible supports that. People that hate the Bible, hate your God, would love it if this church were padlocked and shut and never allowed to be open again, want to quote the Scripture and tell us that they know something about the Scripture. They don't know anything about the Scripture. And they don't know anything about God. And they wouldn't know the truth if it slapped them in the face. All right, look at the 10th commandment. The 10th commandment right here in Exodus chapter 20, dealing with this very matter, says in verse number 17, thou shalt not covet. This is the commandment that the Catholics divide into two. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Thou shalt not covet. All right. I used to have a hard time understanding what covetousness was when I was younger. And, and one day someone explained to me the opposite of covetousness. Well, that helps. When you know the opposite of something, that brings into clear focus the thing that is its opposite. And, and so what's the opposite of covetousness? Contentment. The Lord says, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. The Christian ideal is contentment. Being content with such things as you have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. All right. What is driving Russia right now from going into Ukraine, killing and stealing? Do you know what it is? Covetousness. Ukraine is the number one producer of many natural resources in the world. It is an incredible amount of resources. And by the way, did you know there have been, since the fall of the Iron Curtain in the last four decades, hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that have been saved in the Ukraine. And there have been hundreds of churches that have been started. Gospel efforts have been started in the Ukraine. And I believe that the devil is behind all of this. To disrupt all that. He's not happy about that. He's not happy about a bastion of Christianity being so close to a nation that has promoted communism. And by the way, Putin is just a a KGB agent that never got over the fact that the Soviet Union shut down. So watch now. He is simply exercising his covetousness on a large... What does he need? He has 11 time zones. What does he need? More. Bill Gates was asked by uh, Barbara Walters in an interview right around Christmas time years ago, you're Bill Gates. He gave, him a tour, gave her a tour of his mansion and, and, and she, she saw all the bells and whistles. He, and she said, you're Bill Gates. What does somebody get Bill Gates for Christmas? You know what his answer was? One more dollar. This Google, uh, a Silicon Valley, a wealthy, covetous way, all it is is covetousness. And the world is told, hey, uh, if, you keep, if you keep working this way, you'll get to the top and you'll get all that they have. It is nothing more than communism and socialism. It's anti-God and it's covetousness. Now, they'll look at you and say, well, if you're a capitalist, you're covetous. There, there can be capitalists that are covetous. There can be communists that are covetous. But capitalism is not rooted in covetousness. Communism is. Watch, it violates every one of the Tenth Commandments. Time out. He's a preacher. Did I come to Lighthouse Baptist Church tonight to hear a whole message against communism and socialism? Well, no, just part of a message. I want to ask you a question. How many of these Ten Commandments have you kept? How many of these commandments have you broken? If you're honest, every one of us is guilty of breaking the Ten Commandments. Turn, please, to Romans chapter 3 and we're through. Romans chapter 3 and we're through. Romans chapter 3, look at what the Bible says in our text. Verse 19, it says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Young man, 
God Almighty gave the Ten Commandments so that you would see you cannot keep the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments are something that the Jews were to abide by. They were the basis of the moral law, but they were only part of the law that the Jews abided by. There were three parts of the Jewish law. There was the moral law, undergirded by the Ten Commandments. There was the ceremonial law, how they approached God. And there was the dietary law. They couldn't eat many many unclean animals that we as Gentiles eat. And they, they were to keep these laws. What was the purpose of these laws? Well, it was to show that whoever gave the law to the, to the Jews was holy. And he expected them to be holy. It was to show that you can't approach God other than the way that God laid out before the Ten Commandments and through the Ten Commandments, through the, through the ceremonial law. It was to show that they were clean. They were set apart. All the other nations around them were unclean. They were unclean in their personal hygiene. They were unclean in their diet. They were, they were wicked and idolatrous in the way they tried to approach God. And the Jews were set apart. Now, God would choose to put His people in the early days from Canaan, through a famine, down into Egypt. He would let them stay there for over 400 years. Through one of his own, Joseph, he would rescue Egypt and Canaan and the whole world. And through that, the the Messiah would come. But then he brought his people out of Canaan through Moses. And he led this nation of a million to two million people through the wilderness. Watch this. Not the straightest line. Not the shortest distance between two points. If you look at it, you say, why did God lead them that way? And that was before the 40 years of wilderness wandering. I believe because he wanted all the nations in the then known modern world to see his people operating, approaching God in a holy manner, operating in their personal hygiene, in their diet, in a holy manner, operating by keeping the Ten Commandments in a holy manner. But the problem was that they broke the Ten Commandments, just like you and I have. And so because they broke the Ten Commandments, they needed a way to get to God. And do you know what that way was? A blood sacrifice. Now Romans 3.19 indicts you and it indicts me. You said, preacher, how so? Romans 1 tells us that all those who are not Jews are guilty sinners. Romans 2 declares all those of us who are not Gentiles are guilty sinners. <laughs> Romans 3 states unequivocally, in case we missed anybody, we're all guilty sinners. <laughs> it says in verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. And in verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I was sitting on a plane next to a man years ago, and he was there in a beard and cut off jeans and a t-shirt. And I said, sir, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a dentist. Sometimes. He said, sometimes I'm a plumber. He said, sometimes I'm a contractor. I said, what do you really do? He smiled and said, I'm an undercover police officer for the police force in northern Minnesota. I said, no. I said, what do you do? He said, well, I set up surveillance against criminals. And he said, I act like I'm a big time criminal. And he said, I'll set up surveillance in a hotel or some meeting place. And I'll get audio and video and act like I want a piece of the job. And when they cut me in and I get all of their confession unbeknownst to them, I get them arrested. I said, wow. I said, it sounds dangerous. He said, it is. I said, what do you enjoy most about your job? He said, the thing that I enjoy most about my job is watching high-profile criminals plead guilty before the judge because they know the evidence that I've compiled against them is too great to deny. I said, it's interesting you should say that. I said, that's the thing I most enjoy about my job. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. (laughs) Now, folks, listen to me. If you can come before God honestly acknowledging I've not broken one. I've not just broken two. I've broken all these commandments or most of these commandments. You're well on your way to being saved. There might be a young person here tonight who is through your whole life grown up in church. You've heard the gospel. You've never personally been saved. Young person, you're not going to get into heaven because you're in a good church. This is a good church, but this won't get you into heaven. You're not going to get into heaven because you're in a good family. You're in a good family, but that won't get you into heaven. You're not going to get into heaven because you're a good kid. 
You're a guilty sinner that has committed high treason against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And because of breaking God's law one time, you're on your way to hell. And until you come to Jesus and receive his salvation, you're on your way to hell. And that's true for not only young people, that's true for teenagers and young adults and old people and everybody in between. I want to say, if you're here tonight and you have never admitted to God you're a guilty sinner in need of a Savior and called upon Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to tonight. Look at again at our text, Romans 3 and verse 19. He says, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now you say, preacher, who's under the law? Just the Jews? No, he establishes that in Romans chapter 2. The Jews are under the law, but in Romans chapter 2, he also says that those that are without law have the law of God written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, either excusing or accusing them. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, we're all under the law, and we've broken the law, and as those who are under the law, who have broken the law, we're in deep trouble. You say, what's the solution? Read verse 20. He says, therefore, by the deeds of the law... There shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Not the keeping of the law saves you. By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh living be justified. Uh, I was preaching in, in Italy a few years ago, back in 2015, and we went there as a family. We'd been there just a few uh, hours, and we went and parked in a little outdoor parking spot not far from the Vatican, only we were coming in the backside this time. We'd been in the front side before. This time, we wanted to see the Sistine Chapel. And so we walked through the hallway that leads to the Sistine Chapel and saw the idols everywhere, and we walked into the Sistine Chapel. It was a building about the size of this building. Uh, the ceiling was flat. And of course, that was where Michelangelo painted his beautiful artwork. And it was amazing. I mean, to the aesthetic eye, it is beautiful and stunning that it has been preserved all these years. Uh, the Catholic priest that was in charge, I think he was from Nigeria or, or some uh, Western African country. And uh, he said, now let us pray. And he prayed with the people. He said, now, if you have any questions, I'll be right down front. And I said, I have some questions. So I kind of maneuvered my way through the crowd and got over to him. And I said, sir, my name's Dwight Smith. I said, thank you for being here and for letting us come here today. I said, uh, I have some questions. He said, okay. I said, how can I get to heaven? I said, my family is here from America. And I pointed at my family. I said, how can I tell them how to get to heaven? And he said, well, you have to believe. I said, believe in God? He said, yes. I said, is there anything else? Well, he said, you have to, you know, do good works. I said, is there anything else? He said, well, you need to be baptized. I said, what else? You need to pray. And he gave me a list of all the things you would expect a Catholic priest to give concerning Catholic dogma. He said... I can tell you're very earnest. Now, the platform wasn't short like this. It was long. It really stuck out to about here. And uh, he was standing right here with me. He said, I can tell you're very earnest. He said, let me meet with a few more people. And he said, then we'll go back on the back part of the platform and we'll talk. And so he met with a few people and then he motioned to me. And we went all the way back here, far away from anybody. And we sat all the way in the back part of the platform. And we began to talk, just me and him. And I said, sir... You said that in order for me to get to heaven, I have to believe believe and do good works. I said, does that mean keep the law? He said, yes. I said, is there anything else? Well, you need to pray to the saints. I said, what else? He said, well, you need to pray to Mary. I said, anything else? Go to confession. I said, well, how can this be possible when the Bible says in Romans 3.20, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh living be justified? Well, he began to hem and haw. And I said, how can it be possible when the Bible says in Galatians chapter number 3 and Galatians chapter 2, the same thing? I said, how is that possible? You see, he says the law was given so that we would know we're sinners. The law can't save you. The keeping of the law can't save you. It can only diagnose you and show you you're guilty. 
Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that work. Is that what your Bible says? That join. Is that what your Bible says? That pay. That tithe. No, what does your Bible say? The righteousness of God through Jesus Christ is to uh, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Look at verse number 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely, freely, by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His Blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. What's the Bible saying? The Bible is saying all those under socialism that have broken the law, all those under freedom that have broken the law, all those that are Jews and all those that are Gentiles that have broken the law can find forgiveness but only through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Only through His shed blood. Only through faith in His death, burial, and resurrection. Only through Him can you be saved. If you've come tonight and you don't know Christ, you need to turn from whatever it is you've trusted in and trust in Jesus and believe on Him. And finally, find forgiveness of sin. You won't find forgiveness of sin elsewhere. You'll find an empty circle a merry-go-round that will take you round and round in circles, just like socialism will, and then in the end will lead you straight to hell. Why would you turn away from God's grace? If you have been offered a free gift that's been bought and paid for through the blood of Calvary and through the gift of Jesus Christ, why would you turn away from that? If tonight you could be saved from all of your sins, past, present, and future, and have a home secured for you in heaven, and have the burden of sin lifted from off your backs, why would you turn away from that? Many years ago, Pastor will remember, I was here. We were parked right out front with our trailer. I think this might have been 2003. And, uh, and, and we were parked. And I was up here tooting on a trombone. And I saw the pastor in the back... And he brought a man in the door, and, and then he pointed to me. And he said, he'll help you. I didn't know anything about this. Now, you know your pastor, so you can just imagine what was going on. Well, this man was from the Ang- country of Angola, Africa. You remember this? He was an Olympian runner for Angola. And he did karate as well. And he was out in the neighborhood running. And uh, he saw a church, and he, he, he thought it would be a good time to stop and pray. So he met Pastor out back and said, can I come in and pray? Oh, oh yes, Pastor said, yes. We, we allow that. In fact, we welcome that. He said, just go right in here and pray. And uh, that man in the front, he'll help you. <laughs> so Pastor and I have an unspoken agreement and things like this. <laughs> so I sat down with this man from Angola, Africa, and I began to talk to him. And he told me that he was a runner. I said, wow, that's fascinating. Here in Washington, D.C., training for the Olympics. That's amazing. I said, how long have you been? He told me. I said, uh, do you do anything else? He said, well, I, I do karate. And I began to witness to him. And I said, you know, when I saw on your face, I saw that you were burdened. I said, you have a heavy burden. I said, that's probably why you came to pray today. He said, yes. I said, in fact, you have such a heavy burden. I don't know how you even were running around the neighborhood. I said, in fact, I'm not sure how you do karate of any kind with that heavy burden that you're carrying with me, with you. And he says, well, I don't, what do you mean? I said, it's the sin burden. And I said, it's the guilt and weight of sin. I said, you're carrying that burden, aren't you? He said, yes. I said, well, the only way that can be released is if you come to Jesus and believe on him. If you call upon him, he'll save you. And do you know that man called upon Christ and he got saved that day? And you know what God did for him then? He'll do for you right now if you'll come to Jesus and be saved. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You've listened so attently to the word of God. Thank you for that. I'd like the pianist and the organist to play a few verses of only trust him. And as they prepare to play, only trust Him. I'd like to ask you a few questions. How many in this place would say, Brother Dwight, I, I, 
I'm saved, but tonight as you've been preaching and you've been bringing forth the law, God's Spirit has been convicting me. There have been some ways that I have broken the law, even as a a Christian, some things that I've been involved in that I shouldn't be. And I want to be set free from this. I I want the Lord to show me victory and to give me victory. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now as a Christian? God bless you. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Anybody else? Slip up your hand. Put it right back down. Thank you. Good. God can give you victory. And that victory that, that is yours comes the same way you got saved, through faith at the cross, believing that the indwelling Christ will forgive you when you confess and will give you the strength that you need to face that temptation the next time and flee or fight. Question number two, how many of you would say, Preacher, there's some things I'm not sure of, but there's one thing I know. If I died today, I'd go to heaven. I've been born again. There's been a time when I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I know, not wish or hope or think, but I know I'm going to heaven when I die. If you can say that, would you slip your hand up as a testimony to that fact, preacher? I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. All right, thank you. You may put your hands down. Now, I saw some who couldn't raise their hand. I want to thank you for being honest. I wonder with your heads bowed and eyes closed if you'd say, preacher, I don't know that. I would like to know. I wish I knew, but I don't know. I'd like to get this matter settled. I've broken the law, and I've not found any way to find forgiveness. But if what you're saying is true tonight, that through the blood of Jesus and through faith in Christ, I can be saved, I want it. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Is there anybody here like that? Don't be ashamed. Pastor and I are the only ones watching. You said, preacher, pray for me. I could not raise my hand just now. I need to be saved, and I want to be saved tonight. Anyone at all, slip up your hand. Put it right back down, young or old. All right, let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to ask the pianist just to start playing a few verses.